Oh my god, talk get about the hell out of here. You can dude. talk about Rogers get the hell out of here. Okay. Well, what is the need to bring up the Yankees? You it's just, I it's just it's good stuff to bring up. Are you kidding me? Come on, dude! This came out of nowhere! Clemson is a top team. Don't start with that. Clemson's a top team, no doubt. A hundred percent. Unless they're on Saturday. Then, then they might move down. Welcome back. Welcome back. Welcome back. We have another episode of Go Chat planned today. We are on episode 80 right now. We're going to hop in to, of course, our first and favorite segment, the GOAT of the number. Um, Tommy, you're up first. Who do you got? Please tell me. You're going to pick the right person. There really is only one answer. Matt and Connor, we they already discussed this. And Tommy, listen, the world's weight is on your shoulder, so just give it to us. Well, of course I'm going to go with the right answer. It's Ryan Eads of the Baltimore Orioles. He only, he's only wore the number 80 for uh, eight games. He's only one of two players to wear the number eight. No, I, I got to go with Jerry Rice today. Of course, that's the obvious pick. But um, – you know, I'm sure that everyone else will give the rest of the stats, but of course he's a Hall of Famer, 13-time Pro Bowler, 10-time All-Pro. Um, everybody knows Jerry Rice, even I do, and I'm not a big football guy. Uh, put together a tremendous career. Got to go with him today. <laughs> I think I gave myself a concussion. <laughs> you just hit yourself so hard. Wait, what happened? I didn't even see it. So when you said you're going for that Orioles dude, I, I hit myself with that pretty hard. <laughs> oh no, don't do that, Matt King. All okay. right, Matt, who do you got? It's Jerry Rice. Uh, I'm he's the best wide receiver probably that ever played in the NFL. You know, of course, there's guys like um, Randy Moss. Of course, there's guys. Yeah, there's 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 a lot of guys that we could talk about. Randy Moss. You know, even Megatron. Uh, his performance that he's played throughout his whole that short career but Jerry Rice at the end of the day I in my opinion is the greatest wide receiver to ever play over there in San Francisco for a franchise like that um catching the ball for Joe Montana it was just the, the best duo back in the day so it's gotta be Jerry Rice the obvious answer yeah I'm with you there Connor you make it unanimous yeah, I just I just keep laughing because I just I, I'm hearing Matt hit himself in the head just over and over. It was so loud. Tommy, I mean <laughs> I didn't Tommy, even you, see it. You're, what, what are you doing to Matt here? No, I mean, I it's, gotta be, it, it's gotta be Jerry Rice. And I mean I'll, I'll give some of the stats here. He's a Hall of Famer, 13 time Pro Bowler, 10 time All Pro. He's won three Super Bowls. He's on the Hall of Fame all 1980s and 1990s teams. He was the offensive player of the year in 1987. He was the Bart Bell Award winner in 1987, and he was the 1993 AP Offensive Player of the Year. Um, just an absolute, I mean, best wide receiver of all time. Um, I, I never had, none of us really had the uh, ability to be able to watch him play. Um, obviously, we can go back and look at the highlights of him and Joe Montana together during their Silver Bowl runs. But, I mean, definitely definitely a freak of nature out there wearing the number eight. So, it's got to be Jerry Rice. Yeah. Once again, I'm with you guys um, on that one. Best wide receiver of all time. Not like the fastest guy or anything. Not like the most dominate, right? But uh, just fantastic route runner. Could do ev- anything you want from the wide receiver position. Just the nuance of the game. He was just so keen in that aspect. And uh, But to be fair, there are a bunch of other great 
um, number 80 uh, receiving targets, like uh, Steve Largent for the Seahawks, uh, Chris Carter for the Vikings, both two really good wide receivers. They're Hall of Fame wide receivers. And then just Wayne, Cur- Wayne, Wayne Corbett for the Jets. He was, he was, he was Wes Welker before Wes Welker was in the league. Uh, okay. Okay. Colin Winslow. Colin Winslow. Colin, Colin Winslow. Yep. For a bit. Um, but yeah, I think that's going to wrap Donald up. Driver. Donald Driver. Donald, Donald Driver. Oh my gosh. I remember putting him on my fantasy team. He was the number two in Green Bay for quite some time. Yeah. He, I have a fat head of his in my room. Very small fat head, but still. All right. Well, thank you, Tommy, for picking the right guy. I was really nervous for a second. Matt, hopefully you're okay and you, you're going to heal, but we are going to swing it right into our next segment right now. Hello, everybody. Welcome back to Goat Chat. Baseball is finally back. We had opening day just a few days ago on Thursday. Great to see teams back in action. Lots of great moments. And we just want want to kind of give an overview, our favorite moment of opening day. And there certainly were plenty um, of exciting games and individual moments. So I'm going to start with you, Connor. What was your favorite moment from opening day? So, you know, I, I have I have a couple that were, were in-game moments, but I just think the biggest thing was being able to see teams out on the field and in their own stadiums and having having fans there. They're not having to plug plug stadium noise in. They're not having to have cardboard uh, cutouts set up. There were people in the stands, and we were able to hear the noise of a stadium and, and hear the boos when Alex Bregman – or no, Carlos Correa got hit by a pitch – um, against the athletics. We were able to hear that kind of stuff because because that that's what baseball is about. I mean, baseball, a lot of people may think, and Matt, Matt potentially included, that baseball is a boring sport. It doesn't have a lot of stuff. It moves incredibly slow. But but when and, – and for last year, that may be partially acceptable because there was no fans there. But I think fans bring a different mentality to baseball than any other sport. And, and I think that was evident this opening weekend with just how excited – everybody was that there was baseball being played in those home stadiums in their cities for I sure think, it was great to see fans back and i'm sorry matt what were you gonna say i disagree i think college basketball the fans play the most especially in march college, but go on. college basketball maybe march madness but yeah overall overall oh, i'm right no and i'd say football because you gotta hear all the <laughs> scrimmage we turned this conversation into something else tommy go on no, I mean, I was just going to swing it over to one of you if you want to share your favorite part of opening day, Matt came, but I mean, there was a lot of great moments in opening day. I didn't catch all the games like maybe Tommy did or Connor possibly. Um, I did catch the ending to the Yankees game. What a great game. Um, Kaufman, Toffman, excuse me, made the best decision of his life towards the end of it, but the the moment that I want to touch on, and or the game if, that if, I you're, want, if you're if you're gonna if you're gonna the game that I want to someone pronounce his name right, pronounce his name right. It's Talkman, Hoffman, Talkman, Talkman, Hoffman's hot dogs. Okay. Anyways, <laughs> those are great hot dogs. We should get them as a sponsor, but <laughs> we should honestly. Um, <laughs> are we done with Poland Spring? No, we're we're still trying. I got a bottle right here, Poland Spring. Okay. I think we got to make another advertisement for them. But anyways, go ahead, Matt. Okay, back to one of the best games or moments of opening day. I'm going to swing it to the Diamondbacks and Padres game where we saw 
four home one, four home runs, excuse me, in one inning. We saw Marte, Cabrera, Timmy LaCastro, Ithaca alum, and then Voight uh, hit a home run, two on Darvish and two Ron Hill of the Padres. Diamondbacks didn't win that game, but still when you're hitting four home runs, I will tune into that. You know, when, you're, when I'm seeing these homers, you know, it, it's something good to see, especially when it's Timmy LaCastro from a, a former bomber like that. But overall, tons of great games. Phillies got to win against the uh, the Braves. Nationals didn't play, unfortunately, uh, but hopefully they're going to be playing this Monday. I think against the Braves, um, you know, we saw, we saw a good game like the Royals Rangers 14 to 10 um, opening day too. So tons of good games that we saw yesterday and the day before and the day before that, technically, since this you guys are watching this on Sunday. Baseball's back, people. Tune in if you want to watch a boring sport. Oh, my God. Are you kidding me? Oh, my God. The greatest sport ever created. I can't even describe to you how happy I was for Thursday. It was amazing. I feel like my conversation about baseball was going up, 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 and then I just took it (laughs) it right down. Yeah, you just took it all the way down. I was enjoying it, and then now you, (laughs) you ruined it. But, no, I'm just kidding. That was great. But, Mike. What was your favorite moment? I know the Mets didn't play, but I know it was, it was very, you know, upsetting that the Nationals had to screw the Mets over like that. Just doing what the Nationals do, just sucking. Uh, besides, Man, like Wait, when was the last that. time the Mets won a World Series? Well, when well, was they the... were in 2015. You, were you about to say when was the last time the Nationals won a World Series? No, was I was going to say ago. when was the last time the Mets. Um, had a game canceled because their team got COVID last season. The Nationals are the only team to do this so far. You this can't season. blame them because they, they are very, them. very stinky. Okay. Let's sounded eat. a lot like Dabo Sweetie. Hold right on. <laughs> Let me go. Then we can talk about the, the how bad the Nationals are. Okay. So sounds like Dabo. <laughs> hold on. Um, Obviously, there were, there were a bunch of fantastic moments on open, opening day. Baseball's back, and me, Tommy, and Connor, we're all happy for that. Matt, not so much. But yeah, um, I think Matt's a little happy, just doesn't want to admit how much he likes the sport. But I think he, right. tuned in, he tuned into the Yankees game, and you know what? Even if he's cheering against the Yankees, he's watching. So that means he enjoys it. That's there right. You there you go. He enjoys it in a different way. Anyways. Um, I, if I got to pick one moment out on opening day, has to be Cabrian Hayes um, hitting a home run. He's still technically a rookie, even though he had 85 at-bats last year, and he played fantastic last year as well. But he, he really started off with um, with an explosion with fireworks, and he just played a great game as the Pirates won that game. I don't know if Kevin Newman played. Tommy, I'm sorry he, won't, he didn't win go of the week. He should have over uh pat riley but i agree anyways um cabrian hayes and then i'm moving over to friday i think um (laughs) trevor bauer had a no hitter going through six innings and then he goes out for the seventh and just completely gets shelled it gives up like two home runs so that definitely has to be um another one of uh my favorite moments and then the cat running out on Coors field staying with that game i know you guys don't like cats but i have a soft spot in my heart for cats i have my cat luca he's adorable i don't know why you guys hate cats so much that cat that ran out he, he, he was he was a cutie but uh those have to be my favorite moments did you name your cat after luca Doncic? no it's no. different conversation tommy what was your favorite moment from opening day 
Well, there were so many great moments. Like you said, Connor, I think that having fans back in the stands, that was the big thing. Um, you know, great to see the ballparks alive again. And, um, you know, even though it's a limited capacity, um, you know, they're hoping to open up the stadiums more as the season goes on. But, um, you know, personally for the Yankees, well, and I'm going to talk about some moments that we're going to talk about later. But um, seeing Gary Sanchez homer, that was probably my favorite moment. Um, you know, great for him to, you know, get off to a good start. And he had some good plays in the field as well. Uh, so that was nice to see. Um, and, you know, Trey Mancini coming back, I thought that was tremendous as well to see him back on the field. And in terms of, you know, more on the field stuff, that Mariners-Giants game, I don't know if you guys got to see it, but um, what a game that was. The, the Mariners were down 5 nothing, and then 6-1 at one point. And they come back and they win the game eight to seven. And one thing about that, and it happened in the Yankee game as well, is that both of those games win extra innings. And if we want to get a little bit of a debate going here, I cannot stand the extra inning rule where you I play down on second base. I hate yeah. it. Yeah. What do you think, Connor? I think it's awful. It's not baseball think, in any way, but. I think it is the stupidest thing that could be implemented into a game. It, 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 it takes all like the different strategy of an extra inning game and everything out of it because you're mm -hmm. automatically putting a runner in scoring position. If you give up a single in a normal extra inning game, that's a guy on first. You give up a single now, that's a run scoring. That's right. That, I, I, I think say, it's so stupid. I will say, as a person who's not like a huge baseball fan, it makes it so much more interesting for me. And that's the thing because it's probably going to bring in some more people that way because I, I don't know. I feel like it's 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 a way to make the extra innings more interesting. That's also why I was excited to watch the Yankees extra innings. Well, not excited. Come on. More more intrigued. Yeah. <clears throat> but Matt, I think that's a great point because that's exactly why they're doing it to attract fans that wouldn't be interested otherwise, and those that might you know turn off the game after the ninth inning because they don't want to go through all those extra innings. But I mean, I guess that's the price that they pay for the you know the diehard baseball fans like me and Connor because we can't stand it but for you know fans that aren't as interested I guess it it does attract more fans but no I agree and the Yankee game is a perfect example of it because um give off give up the lead off double to I forget Lord has girl yet Lord has a gear yell hit it okay so you give up that lead off double the run scores it's three two right Nick Nelson, he strikes out the side after that. So, I mean, that double would have meant nothing. And that's what bothers me. And, you know, on the other side of the coin, the Yankees did get that opportunity. They, they did have a runner on second base. So, I mean, it's tough to say that it's not fair, but it's not fair to pitchers. I mean, what did Nick Nelson do wrong? He gave up a double to the first batter, first batter of the season. Obviously there's some jitters there and, you know, he's able to sell down and, um, you know, it wouldn't have meant anything in a regular game, but, or well, you know, regular inning, excuse me, but I don't know. It's just frustrating, but we'll see what happens with the new CBA. That's going to be a topic of discussion for sure. Um, but yeah, definitely disappointing. I mean, Mary Weather played pitched really well for the, the he did game. in the same case scenario as in, in the same situation. He did. Um, uh, no, Tommy, I would have to agree with you. It, it definitely just brings a, a weird a weird sense to even like the pitchers pitchers go out there they have a game plan they they know what they want to throw and when there's a runner in scoring position they're 
that game plan changes. If if I'm going in and I'm pitching in the eighth inning with 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 no runners on base, my game plan is completely different. I'm I'm hammering that fastball first pitch. Where now if I'm if I'm in the tenth inning and I have a guy on second base, they're going to be expecting a fastball. So now I have to adjust to that because they're going to be looking for the fastball to put it in play to then score that run. It's just it's a different game plan for these pitchers, and it's it, it's. It, it, like you said, it's unfair to the pitchers, um, but it, it's given to both teams. So there, there's that sense there. Um, Tommy, you stole my moment here. I was going to talk about the, the 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 Mariners coming back here. It was a great game. Absolutely. Oh, yeah. re- really good game. And then they, they walked it off in the 10th inning with a walk. I mean, unbelievable. Um, the first home run of the season had to be one of my top moments and could be a picture that we see hanging up in Cooperstown. Um, in the Hall of Fame in the near future is Miguel Cabrera hitting a home run oh. when it's snowing. Oh, yeah. When it's snowing, it was it was unbelievable. Uh, first home run of the the year there. And Tommy, you mentioned Gary Sanchez. Gary Sanchez played really well. I was surprised. He came in with a lot of heart. First pitch he saw, he hit a home run. Um, was able to gun a runner down at second. Beat out an infield single. So you know he 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 played a good game. He played a good game. I, I'm intrigued to see if that level of play can continue from him because I. I think Gary Sanchez is, is he's fighting for a deal right now. He's fighting for a spot on the Yankees. I agree. And personally, how I see it, and you can let me know what you think, Connor. I think this is his last chance with the Yankees. I think if he has a bad year, Brian Cashman has no choice but to trade him or, um, you know, look at other options because they've given Gary every opportunity. And we all have seen it 2016, 2017. He has all the talent in the world and, like you said, I think he works incredibly hard. I think that he's criticized a lot for not giving as much effort um, as people think he should. And I think he does. I just think it hasn't worked out the past couple of years. And like you said, great to see it pay off on opening day and definitely hope it continues. Yeah. Well, one last thing on uh, your point there, and then we can move on. I feel like Mike has something to say. He hasn't talked in a while. Um, yeah. was just that the, uh, the Yankees, they went and they drafted a catcher this past um draft so I, I think that that could that could be something mike did you not have something to say I fe- it feels like you're raising your hand over there no no i'm, I'm trying to block this on because it, it looks oh better. it looks no I, I do have something to say but okay. you literally just said i think mike has something to say then continue to talk but um <laughs> anyways yeah because <laughs> i said go i had on. one oh my god no uh, okay i'll talk i'll talk um but i i just want to go back to the ninth inning rule i i absolutely despise it it's horrendous i understand it makes the game more interesting right but it, i feel like that moment just becomes like so normal right when you have it every single extra inning game right instead of it, it's nearly impossible to get those like late inning you know 12th 15th inning really you know battle tested pitching uh war like back and forth right where you're going to like your last couple of relievers in your bullpen maybe even to the point where you have to throw a um position player in there and and that's obviously it drags on a while but it, it's still pretty interesting um i'm really thinking it's going to last for a while it obviously brings more fans like matt in but i i i just don't like it for the game of baseball if they had in the playoffs i i, I might just like stop yeah. being an mlb fan so thank god that didn't happen and uh going back to what connor said the first home run mlb posted a really cool video on uh, tiktok it was like the cinematic like um little like uh piece of miggy hitting that home run it, it was awesome so go check that out if you haven't it was pretty cool and uh 
Yeah, that's pretty much all I have to say. Yeah, I just think one final thing that I have to say on the MLB in general, and there doesn't really have to be any discussion on this because there are a lot of mixed views about it, but they decided to pull the All-Star game out of Atlanta yesterday after Georgia implemented different voting laws there. So, you know, it's it's good to see the MLB making a stand towards that. And um, that, that's all we really have to say. There doesn't have to be any real political discussion because we're here to talk sports. But I just it's it's news, and I feel like it has to be something that's talked about. With you on that, um, so I think that kind of wraps up our little opening day discussion. There it was some other MLB news: the Mets and Steve Cohen inked Francisco Lindor ten years, three hundred forty-one million, one million more than Tatis and what he got in his deal. A little little jab there at uh, Fernando. But what do we think about the deal? What impact is this going to have on the Mets over the past ten years? Will they win a cha- championship? All that exciting stuff for. Uh, the Mets. Connor, I'll, I'll swing it to you first. I know you're a big fan of uh, Lindor and what the Mets have done right now. So, so there's a lot of questions there that I, I don't know if we can answer right now about winning a ring or, or future success. Um, I think the biggest thing is this deal had to be done before they played a game. And, and the Mets did a good job at doing that because even if they had played on Thursday, which unfortunately, again, they couldn't do to the COVID um, cases in Washington. But if they didn't, then once you get into that regular season grind and you're on the road most days or you're playing most days, it's going to be hard to have those contract negotiations throughout the season. And, and it's going to, it's going to put a little bind in between the team because the team's going to be thinking, Oh, Francisco's just asking for the money. He doesn't want to be here. He just wants the money. Yeah. 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 Stuff like that. So, you know, Steve Cohen did a really good job of uh, getting that deal done before they played a game. And, you know, Francisco Lindor is a Met for life. Um, I, I think you can do incredibly successful things with the Mets. Um, a ring and a World Series championship could definitely be in the future with Tim and Pete Alonso and a whole cast around them. Um, great pitching. It's got to happen soon. I, I, I don't think this is something where it's towards the end of his contract when they get the ring. They're, they're in a position now within these next couple years to get it. And, and with the Dodgers still being at the top of their game, they, they just they got to be at the top of their game within these next couple years if they want that ring. Um, Tommy, what do you think? Yeah, well, my view on it is that this deal needs to be done in order for the trade to be worth it. Because if you don't extend him long term and you get him just for a year, you know, it's not really worth it unless they were to win this year, which they certainly could. I think that they certainly have the opportunity to do so. But at the same time, I think then the National League, you're going to see the Dodgers or the Padres in the World Series. That's my personal view. And I don't want to discredit any other teams because I think that the Braves are right up there as well and they could easily win the NL East but um, you know I think this is a great move for the Mets like you said one of the most dynamic players in the game I mean it's just it's the clear move they had to do it and I think it's great for the Mets I think it's great um, you know for Steve Cohen his first big move shows that he's committed long term which we all knew anyway but um yeah, I mean, I like the move for the Mets for sure. Steve Cohen's first big move is bringing back the black jerseys. We can all agree on that. Hey, there we, we go. That. We love the black jerseys. I'm very excited for uh, the Friday Night Blackout. But anyways, Matt, go ahead. Yeah, like like Tommy said, this deal needed to be done to make the trade worth it. And I, I think that it was a move in the right direction. As for the future and World Series, you know, it's going to depend on the people besides Lindor you know obviously one one man can't carry a whole baseball team even if 
Lindor is that great. We see with Mike Trout, the best baseball player. The Angels haven't been close to a World Series. So it's going to have to depend on the guys around Lindor. I think the Mets are a capable team to make it to the World Series. Just think they're going to have to do it sooner rather than later. Um, you know, like Connor said. Yeah, you know, I, I agree with you guys on a lot of these points. Um, and the thing about the, the deal is that Lindor set a hard deadline multiple times in the media and i'm sure he did in private that opening day he's not going to talk any extension talks during the season he said he's not afraid of free agency and really if they didn't get it done before opening day there's going to be all that chatter through the season you know personally as a mets fan i, I would be upset really upset about it and uh that lindor and the mets weren't able to get a deal done but um i'm very happy it's done it wasn't overpay sure right but since when have the Mets ever overpaid someone during the Wilpons um, when they controlled the team? They always underpaid, you know, th their best players. And then they overpaid for scrubs. We got a bona fide five-tool superstar player, right, in, in a very key position, like uh, shortstop. He can get for contact, power. His defense is fantastic. And then you just hear all the stuff about um, his intangibles in the locker room and his leadership. Pete Alonso said, pay him whatever he wants, give him 400 million because of the impact he creates through teaching, you know, like guys like JD Davis, how to, Oh, how, how, what angle should I come at from here? Um, when the ball goes down the line, all, all that, all that good stuff, all the, all those leadership qualities Lindor has. So I think it's a fantastic deal for the Mets. And I, I, I think they have like five to eight year window where, they, they can really compete for a title and fingers crossed that the Mets ain't going to met anymore. Right. And really change the look like the face of their organization. Right. Mets like meme organization, right. So, something like, uh, like the lions, right. They just always perform poorly, but I think Lindor is going to have an opportunity to really turn that around and training for him was step one. And now they have to, you know, we talk all, all this stuff about the Mets, but they're actually going to have to perform on the field now, and they're going to have an opportunity to do that given how talented their team is. You know, we talked about Tommy last week and how he didn't breathe when he was talking about the Yankees. I, Mike just went on for like a solid three minutes. I mean, I was zoned out here for, for, for probably 35 seconds of it. I mean, man. I'm, I'm excited. Lindor's a Met for life. I mean, it, it's been a long time since the Mets have had someone of his caliber we had david wright um for a little bit by the end of his career and as i got older and remember more he um suffered a lot of injuries but I, i'm i'm so excited to see what this mets team has to put on the field this year and hopefully compete for a title Right, well, i think that's all for baseball talk um march madness is still going on the final four games are being played on saturday when we're filming this so unfortunately when you're watching this you already know we don't. We'll break those down for you really fast. We'll give a, We'll give you guys our projected winners out of these final four teams, and then we're going to be moving into a go to the week to end the episode. We'll be right back with that segment next. Welcome back to Goat Chat. We are finally towards the end of March Madness. And like Connor said, we're filming on Saturday, so the final four games are tonight. So unfortunately, we don't know what happens. Uh, we always take a risk that way. Like Mike said, UConn was going to the final four, and they lost that night. But – the national championship is tomorrow on Monday. Who do we think is going to win the national championship? I'm going to start. 
I think it's going to be Gonzaga. I've been saying Gonzaga this whole time. I think it's it's about time that Gonzaga wins finally. Mark Few can get that um, national championship. He's been to the Final Four twice, including this time and last time. He unfortunately didn't get it. The trio that they have is the best in the nation, Kispert, Timmy, and Suggs. Suggs is an incredible freshman. They just they play basketball so well. I don't see them losing. If they lose, it would be to Baylor. So I got Baylor-Gonzaga meeting, and I got Gonzaga trumping Baylor. Connor, you've been – Connor, where's Michigan? Where is Michigan? Okay, so Michigan lost. Michigan did lose. They lost. Okay, I, I understand that. Um. You know, and there's these, these four teams left in UCLA. UCLA is the Cinderella story. I mean, by far, they were in the first four. Now they're in the final four. They've been playing great team basketball. Um, Houston is a two seed. Um, and even Baylor being a one seed. Um, Gonzaga is just they're, – they're above all these teams. And even with Baylor being that other one seed, they are significantly better. And, and you know, there's this stat going around that there hasn't been an undefeated NCAA basketball team since the late 1970s. I mean – Pretty soon that stat is going to be there hasn't been a undefeated NCAA basketball team since this past season because Gonzaga is going to win this whole thing. And, I mean, to be able to finish, what what are they going to finish, 31-0, 32-0? I mean, impressive. Matt said that they have the best big three in the nation. Um, uh, yeah, it's got to be Gonzaga. I mean, um, going back to when Michigan lose, Connor texted us, uh, Gonzaga is going to win it all. And I said, you're just figuring that out. I This – Listen, I love when people come out and say like, oh, they're, they're undefeated, so they're not going to win because that, that stuff doesn't – that's not how sports work. I mean, the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, people are like, oh, they're not going to make the Super Bowl because no team has ever hosted a Super Bowl and made it, and look what they did. So I, I hate – I love – I hate and love when people say that because I think it's just so funny when it happens. But, Connor, thank you for finally realizing that Michigan was the No, no, no. It's, it's not like I just realized that. Like, I have brackets with Gonzaga winning. Sure, but it, you, it just it – just, my intention was I the also fact told that you I, that I believe – There's no such thing as three ones making it to the Final Four. I gave you that there's warning. Actually, there's actually there's, – there's four ones in the Final Four right now. Oh, my gosh. All right, Mike. <laughs> it's because 11, Mike. 11. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> You had me. <laughs> Anyways, um, yeah, Gonzaga is gonna win it all. Um, I'd I'd be shocked if they didn't. Watch, we're, we're all projecting them to win it now. I know. <laughs> He's gonna go out and beat them tonight. <laughs> but uh, yeah, I had um uh, them winning it from the beginning. I understand, you know, the whole undefeated thing. It's very tough to go a whole season undefeated. It's obviously unlikely, but this team is just so uber talented from top to bottom. They have that star power with Timmy Suggs. And uh, I'm, I'm sorry, I forgot the others. Yeah, him. Um, and, and then they also have <laughs> depth on their bench. They can really roll out whatever kind of lineup they want and uh, really compete with you toe-to-toe. And most likely they're going to take that step above you and defeat you. Um, but with, with who Gonzaga is going to meet, I, I really like both Baylor and Houston. Um, Houston is a fantastic team, so – and, and so is Babel, Babel, Baylor Babel. with Davion Mitchell and that squad. But uh, I, I just like Houston this matchup. Um, I, I think it's going to be a close game, but I, it's tough to see two one seeds in the finals matchup. I know, you know, Baylor could be the better team, but I just have a feeling that Houston is going to get 
the better of Baylor. They're really talented. I think it's going to be Houston-Gonzaga matchup, and Gonzaga's going to come out on top. Tommy, be different. Tommy, don't go Gonzaga. Don't go Gonzaga. Be different. This doesn't count for anything. I got to go with Gonzaga here. I think that they are going to win the whole thing. Um, So they're my pick to win the whole thing, and I certainly obviously have them being UCLA um, in this game in the Final Four tonight. And then, you know, the Baylor-Houston game is interesting. I mean, got to see him it's very intriguing. Yeah, got, yeah, no, for sure. Got to see him play last week, obviously, against Syracuse. And, um, yeah, I mean, I think it's going to be Baylor, but I wouldn't be surprised if it was Houston. Sorry for uh, interrupting you, Tommy. No, but, no, you're good. I'm sorry. No. You, that, you that, know, that, one big thing. Sorry. One I big just want to talk on it. All right. That game is really intriguing, and that's because of Houston's defense. <laughs> Houston's definitely the best defensive team Actually, maybe Gonzaga. It's definitely either Baylor or Gonzaga, the best defensive team in the Final Four so far. And you saw how they locked up star star players like Ethan Thompson and Buddy Beheim uh, in their past two games. So really going to be a great game. Um, Connor, you could go back. You could talk. The, the, the one thing that I was just going to say is it's great to see a team like Houston in there that's not from one of the Power Five schools. I mean, they're, they're coming in from the American Conference and really representing well. I mean, the Pac-12 – uh, really, really, they they put they have had so much success in the tournament this year. But it, it's good to see um, Houston coming out of the American Conference, able to make it in the fun floor and even potentially into a national championship game. Yeah, for sure. I mean, you know, Gonzaga, they beat the, the, the Gonzaga USC game was pretty wild, too. Uh, I don't know was if you caught it, but Gonzaga had like a huge lead on USC. And we know USC was that team that was dominating throughout the whole tournament. Uh, killing Kansas and Oregon. Um, so that was a really good game. It, it's going to be a good Final Four. I'm excited to watch tonight and then, you know, sit down and watch Monday night after uh, ICTVs hold that thought. Um, <laughs> but, no, it's go- it's going to be a great national championship. I-, I can't wait. So, Tommy, question for you. Yeah. Are you watching baseball tonight or are you watching March Madness basketball tonight? It's not even a question. I – let me tell you, I have been a Syracuse fan for so long. If Syracuse was in it, I, I'm not as loyal to the point where I would – long story short, I would watch the Yankees over Syracuse probably. The if final four? In the final Our Yankee, four. Our Yankees' second game of their season versus Syracuse' final four. You would watch Yankees' second game of their season. Well, I'd probably have it on back and forth, right, but there. the Yankee game would be the majority of the night. Um, I'd probably have like the Syracuse game on my phone and then the Yankee game on the TV, but um, there we go. There we go. (laughs) I guess that works for me. (laughs) Great, great conversations here. Um, We're not going to have a goat picks segment. We are going to have a graphic up because we are picking the, uh, the games, the final four games. So yeah, yeah, Mike's inserting a crown on his head. We got to give Mike some time to talk though speech I, I will give mike some time mike, to talk but i just mike have to win. say we're, we're picking the two final four games and then we are also picking two baseball games i just have to give them the give them the lowdown then you get your chance mike okay give, give me a second okay all right now it's your turn <laughs> thank you for that introduction connor yes i did win go picks i did not choke this time for all you uh fans out there who wanted me to choke 
I don't appreciate it for all, all the, those that have supported me this whole time. I truly appreciate it. And I'm very happy that I'm the king of goat picks and my rightful place. And we're going two in a row, two in a row this time. I'm going to pull a mat with a buddy Beheim. I'm calling it right now. Three goat okay. pick seasons in a row. All right. Found me. All right. Well, time will tell. Uh, like Connor said, skipping goat picks, we will have a graphic on the Instagram. But we're going to move into the goat of the week coming up next. <laughs> Welcome back to Goat Chat. We are finally at the goat of the week, finishing up the episode. Last week, another overtime, third overtime in Goat Chat history. Connor ended up defeating Tommy. Wasn't that the first? Yeah, first time yeah. Connor defeating Tommy. So that was exciting. Connor, Connor's getting by by the slimmest wins. Um, by the slimmest wins. I mean, in the overtime, I, I outvoted him by 10 votes, and he voted for himself, so we could count that as 11 votes. <laughs> All right. Well, you still had to go in overtime. That's why it's slim. But, Connor, you won, so might as well give us your go of the week this week. Yeah, so, I mean, Tommy mentioned him earlier in the uh, the opening um, or opening day um, best moment. I, I have to go with Trey Mancini here. <laughs> Um, anyone who doesn't know, he did not play in the 60-game season last season due to a battle with cancer, and he was he's on the Orioles. He was able to come back out and um, play on opening day, yes, or Thursday. Nope, they played on Friday um, against Boston, so it was great to see him out in the field. And he posted on his Instagram, and I just want to read what he wrote. Um, During a battle with cancer, there are going to be good days and there's going to be bad days. However, the motivation to fight it and face it on will never waver if you are surrounded by an incredible support system. Thank you to my amazing girlfriend, family, friends, and all of you. Today was made possible. Here's to no longer looking back, but instead looking forward to the future. Um, he can be an inspiration to so many different people. I mean, cancer, cancer um, fighters, cancer survivors, um, families, even children who, who aspire to play the game of baseball to just keep your head down, keep fighting through everything. And, and, God is good, and he, he, will, he will help you through whatever you need to get through. So, I mean, for this reason, I have to go with Trey Mancini. True inspiration to the sport of baseball and to many others. A great pick. Connor, wouldn't it be keep your head up, not down? No, keep your head down, keep fighting. Oh, okay. Okay. Um, Tommy, who is your pick? Yeah, well, Trey Mancini, I think, is a great pick. I think you should vote for him rather than my guy, but – um, I'm going to go with Gary Sanchez and this is a risky pick. Anytime you pick Gary, because this is for his performance Thursday. We're recording this before the game Saturday. And then there's the game Sunday. So there's a lot of room for error by the time that you're going to be voting for this. And I acknowledge that, but on opening day, he was great. He went two for three. Like I said, hit the Yankees first home run of the year. Um, and he threw out a runner at second, beat out an infield single. He really played really well. So, um, you know, props to Gary for getting off to a good start, and let's hope he keeps it going. But, yeah, Gary Sanchez is my go of the week. Mike? Um, obviously, Trey, Trey Mancini, fantastic uh, pick there, Connor. Um, really love his battle with uh, cancer and all, all that stuff. And then Tommy – you're, you're walking on eggshells over there with picking Gary, but uh, I have to go with Steve Cohen, <laughs> Uncle Steve. He uh, inked Lindor, huge contract, finally bringing out the pocketbooks. And uh, also he's bringing the black jerseys back. Obviously two of the best things in the whole wide world happening the same day, practically. 
I mean, he, he's one of the best owners in all of sports. I'm so happy that the Mets got him. And uh, you, you just got to vote for Steve Cohen, one of the best owners. Go ahead, Connor. Go ahead. So, so at the beginning of the episode, we were talking about the go to the league. This might have even been off segment or off air. Uh, Mike said that Kevin Newman should have won because because Pat Riley really didn't do anything. But but now he's picking Steve Cohen because because Steve Cohen made a move. But but Pat Riley wasn't good enough because, because I Pat think what Riley Kevin made... Newman did during okay 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 okay. Than okay. What Pat Riley sure. did. But but what's the difference between what Steve Cohen did and what Pat Riley did? I mean, I think the Lindor contract was more important than getting someone who shoots 40% from the field. I understand it was a great trade and everything, but I think inking Lindor for 10 years, he's a Met for life, one of the best players in baseball. I think that's more impressive than Pat Riley. I'm not saying, I'm not, I'm not trying to downplay what Pat Riley well, did. I won, go, I won go to the week last week and you're not going to win this week. So that's just going to be the difference. Go ahead, Matt. Yeah, you're right on that because I'm going to win. Um, you know, you guys all had great picks, Tommy. I mean, yeah, you had a good pick because I kind of gave that to you anyway. <laughs> what do you mean you gave it to me? I I was gonna go with him anyway. You 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 probably didn't even know we hit a home run until they said it. Connor sent it in the chat. No, I I think my friend texted me actually. But yeah, and then you claimed it, and you're like five dollars for whoever watched Gary Sanchez. <laughs> I, I didn't make you. I didn't make you pay me five dollars. It's just a dollar if you win the go of the week. Anyway, um, oh my god! For my pick, I'm gonna go with Roy Williams. Um, if you guys didn't know, he actually retired on Thursday. Most people, some people, saw it as April Fool's joke. Seemed a little too serious for me, and it, it ended up not being an April Fool's joke. You know, we don't see these. We don't see fantastic college basketball coaches all the time. I mean. Um, looking at his career, he has 903 wins, um, coaching for Kansas and North Carolina. Shout out 2003 when he lost with Kansas against Syracuse in that final game. But uh, you, you look at the championships he did win in 2005, 2009, 2017. Uh, been to the Final Four nine times, you know, and he, he's nowhere close to the greatest uh, coaches in college basketball history and coach K Jim Beheim and John Wooden but he is definitely uh, definitely down there definitely in the running towards towards the midsection um, for one of the greatest for one of the greatest coaches just you know I, I, I can't say any more about him it's just an absolute fantastic coach and going back to Kansas Bill Self actually even got a, a lifetime contract coaching Kansas so that's pretty cool for him I did but, see that I did see that but go of the week, Roy Williams. Hey, it's been a great episode. I'm I, I'm not gonna sit oh. here and throw any jabs out. Um, you know, everyone had a really you good go of the week. You already did. Well, yeah. That. Well, just 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 at Mike because I was. If you guys let me talk, I was gonna say everyone had a good go of the week, maybe except for Mike. Uh, Gary Sanchez. Uh, you know what, Tommy? You're probably going to win because Gary Sanchez is gonna have an absolutely fantastic game on Saturday, and then he's gonna I have hope. a great game on Sunday. You guys don't realize I'm gonna win. Yeah, I mean, Matt Cain wins either way with that. Like, if he wins, then he wins, you know, the point. But then if I win, he gets a dollar. So, like, <laughs> he's got rooting interest here. But, well, I think it's been a great episode. Uh, it's been a little, little discombobulated here. There's been different side conversations. We had Matt started the episode with hitting him, 
yourself in the head quite hard. It, it, it's been a really great, fun episode. Um, as always, happy to sit here and uh, talk sports with the guys. And uh, until next week, we'll be back. Way to go, chat.